Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. And as I talk about suffering today, that's the theme of this message. So who's, who's excited for just a pick-me-up message? Anybody here? We are talking about suffering! woo And my dad being in town is appropriate because I, I was thinking about a home video that I, I watched on a camcorder. And in the video, we are in Florida where my dad currently lives. And this is when I'm a little kid. And I am in the room minding my own business. My sister whose name is Pradeepa, I'm Pradeepa, and her name is Pradeepa. My parents had a lot of creativity, as you can tell. She's in the room, and she goes to mess with my dad. He is sound asleep, and she tickles him and hits him, and he doesn't notice. And so then I enter. I'm just innocently by my dad. My sister goes to tickle him, and he wakes up. He's angry, and he just grabs me, assumes I'm the one messing with him, gives me a kind spanking, and I look at the camera in tears as my mom is just filming, and I say, why? (laughs) Why? As my sister laughs her way out of the room. You know, when we're in pain, we often ask the hard questions of life. Why? Lord, why is this happening? Why is this going on now? Why isn't this happening to somebody else? There's so many people who have better situations. Why am I the one that's getting this lot in life? We ask the difficult questions when we're in pain. And today, I want to bring some biblical encouragement. I want to bring frameworks to our suffering so that we can address this question of why. And I'm going to be honest. This message may not be fully satisfying to you because there is a lot of mystery in our pain. But what I want to do as a pastor is bring some comfort bring some perspective, and bring some tools to help you walk through these moments. First Peter 4 says this about suffering. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. And so when we, as followers of Jesus, walk through life, we should not consider it strange when we're suffering, the scripture says. We should not think it's weird that we are going through a fiery ordeal. This is part of our walk. And Paul, he says some crazy things. He says, hey, don't be surprised. He says, hey, you need to rejoice in these sufferings, and then you will shout for joy when his glory is being revealed. This scripture is so strange because as followers of Jesus, we realize that behind every powerful testimony, there is a test. And behind every powerful message, there is a mess. And so we're not surprised when we're going through the fires of life. So I want you to literally slap the person sitting next to you and say, rejoice. The scripture going on in verse 14, settle down. In verse 14, the scripture goes on to say, 
If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, a criminal, or even as a mischief maker. Yet, if any of you suffers as a Christian, do not consider it a disgrace. But glorify God because you bear this name. Sometimes as Christians, when we're suffering, we hold our heads low. I must be a sinner. There must be something wrong with me. I didn't read my Bible enough. I didn't pray enough. I'm not perfect. And this scripture says, hey, do not consider it a disgrace when you are suffering. And so today, I want to let you know, if you're going through some sort of pain, some sort of trauma, you can hold your head high. Even in the Sunday morning service, you don't have to come to a church service and put on your best. In church, you can put on your worst. This is a place where we really mean it when we say it's okay to not be okay. Amen? And so this scripture is so important. We all suffer to one degree or another, and we can't control that. But what we can control is how do we deal with that pain? In other words, how do we cope with the pain that we have? And I want to give you a warning today, and it's this. Sometimes the way we cope with pain is worse than the pain itself. Let me say that again. Sometimes the way we cope with pain is worse than the actual pain itself. You know, let me illustrate that with the story. I remember one time my dad, this was when I was in my youth. My dad is in town, so I got a lot of dad stories. Uh, he cooked some really amazing spicy chicken curry, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's just soak that in. <laughs> Who's feeling the spirit of the Lord already? He made this amazing spicy chicken curry. Now, I grew up in Coon Rapids, Minnesota, so my friends were not used to flavor, spices, things of that nature. My friend decided to try this food and said, what is going on? This is so hot. I'm going through the fire. I'm like, there's another in the fire with you. And he's like, this is not okay. What's happening? And he goes, give me some water. And I, I say, you can't drink water. That will make it worse. You got you to get some milk, right? And so he goes into the refrigerator, and he starts to eat the milk, drink the milk. And he feels a momentary relief. But then a few moments later, he begins to vomit, throw up. I forgot to tell him that that milk was expired. I'm so sorry. And the way he dealt with the pain left him off worse. Sometimes what we do to handle pain, sometimes what we do to cope leaves us off worse than when we started. And we are people who love to avoid pain. I mean, have you ever been to a funeral and people say some strange things to you to help you deal with pain? I remember when I was at my stepfather's funeral, people said some really weird things to me to help me cope. One person said, well, hey, I know you lost a father, but let me tell you, losing a wife is way worse. And I just lost a wife. They said this at the funeral. I'm like, what in the world? Or another person said to me, you know why your stepdad died like this? Because uh, God wants to make you a better pastor. And God will use your pain to make you a better person, a better pastor, so that you can minister to others. That's why your stepdad died. And I'm like, if that's how it works, I'm going to punch you in the face right now so that you can better minister to the world. <laughs> I might break a few bones while I'm at it, too. Can I get a good amen? 
Don't waste your pain, brother. <laughs> you know, what do we want at funerals? Just say sorry for your loss. Next time you're on Facebook and someone leaves a sad post and you don't know what to say, just say sorry for your loss. Just leave a heart. Just say, I love you. You don't have to get complicated. I mean, I just want refreshing, nice, comforting words in my time of pain. I mean, I'm reminded of the story where a man died and his wife is at the funeral. She's now a widow. A friend of the man comes up to the wife and says, may I share a word? And, he, and she says, of course, you can share a word. And he just says, mucho. And then the wife says, thanks. That means a lot. Mucho. Just a comforting word like that. Is that too much to ask for? But as a call, who got that joke? <laughs> it's a little Spanish humor. All the Spanish speakers said, Amin. Anyways, we all deal with pain in various ways, but sometimes the way we cope or the way we help others cope can be insensitive or can be hurtful or can leave us off worse. How do you deal with the pain that you're facing? How do you cope? Are you a, a stuffer where you stuff all the emotions inside of you? Are you a spewer where you lash out on people and you hurt them and you erupt in anger? Are you someone that just likes to be numb and you try to entertain yourself with little hobbies and binge-watching shows, or you have an addiction to drugs to just kind of numb the feeling, an addiction to alcohol, an addiction to porn. You're just trying to numb these dark feelings. You're trying to distract yourself. You can never be alone in silence with your own thoughts because all the voices and the anger and the distrust and the pain just consumes you. So you're like, I just need to distract myself. We all know people. We have all been there where we have a pain, but we get addicted to something because we're trying to distract ourselves and we end up worse. Amen? We're dealing with something that's going on in our life, and so then we're mean to the people we love. We lash out to them, and we say words we can never take back, and we realize we've made the situation worse because we don't know how to cope with our pain. And I'm not unfamiliar with pain. Even me right now, I... As many of you know, I've, I've become addicted a little bit to something called doom scrolling. And to be honest, I, I like finding bad news on Reddit, on the internet. I like looking for natural disasters. And, and I study things like the blue ocean event, how the Arctic Ocean is melting, and how hyperinflation is coming to America. And so we all need to get Bitcoin because it's the true hard asset. I like studying things like the, the collapse of the supply chain and cascading failure. Anybody with me today? <laughs> I like studying those things because it, it distracts me from my own internal pain. If I can focus on the pain of the world, I can ignore the pain of my own soul. And that's something I've learned about myself, even in this last year. In the pandemic, we've all developed new patterns and habits as ways to cope. Maybe some of us have said, you know what, I'm going through this, and so I give up on you, God. Where were you when I needed you? You know, if you're not going to be there for me, I'm not showing up for you. Or we've decided to isolate ourselves from a community because we're so in pain, we don't want people to see us like this. We don't want to be vulnerable. And now we're left off worse. How are you coping with pain? 
And when you think about your habits and your hobbies and your finances, is pain avoidance the goal of your life? Because it's tempting and it creates some crazy things. I love this quote by Thomas Merton. The truth that many people never understand until it is too late is that the more you try to avoid suffering, the more you suffer because smaller and more insignificant things begin to torture you in proportion to your fear of being hurt. And so we need a biblical framework for suffering and pain because we've all been taught various degrees of what I would call bad theology. And so I'm hoping that I can set you free with the scripture, with the truth. The first thing I want to share is this. Jesus promises that we will suffer. The good news of the gospel includes the bad news of suffering. In other words, you can't avoid pain. John 16, the words of Jesus. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. How are we going to have peace? What are you going to say, Jesus? You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Part of accepting the good news of the gospel is realizing we will still deal with bad news. But our hope is ultimately in Jesus who has conquered the whole world. You know, there's a lot of Instagram posts and Instagram influencers and people like to have their fall beautiful pictures and they put up nice scriptures that we all love, like for God so loved the world. It's a picture of me in a pile of leaves, right? You know what I'm talking about? Christian influencers. Or it's like, I know the plans I have for you. I have a future and a hope, things like that. What I really want to see is a more holistic gospel because I think some of us expect that when we become Christian, it's just going to be all leaves and rainbows and just giggles, right? But pain is part of the Christian experience. Can I get a good amen? And sometimes we say things like, pray this prayer, give your life to Jesus, and you won't suffer anymore. But that's not the gospel. That is not what Jesus says. And I think that sets us up for disappointment. And we build our lives on this faith. If you follow Jesus, everything will be joyful and happy all the time. And then when it's not, we give up on God because we're like, hey, this was a bait and switch. I gave my life to you, and I'm still experiencing pain. Well, the gospel is, hey, you will have suffering in this world, but Jesus has overcome the world. The gospel says, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and die. Right? This is part of it. So I'm praying that we as Kalos Church can lead a movement of new memes and new Instagram influencer kind of pictures like this. Like, let's put up this picture. You will have suffering in this world. Doesn't that just feel right? Doesn't that feel right? You will have suffering in this world. But here's the deal. We all experience different kinds of pain and Maybe I can help you with some language for the kinds of pain we have. We have natural evil in this world. That's like fires and floods that causes us harm. We have moral evil, which includes like murder and kidnapping. We have physical pains like cancer and leprosy. And those all touch us, whether it's us individually or it's us as families or it's us as friends and communities. And we're like, God, why is this happening? And I want to give some more framework because there's a lot of different responses that people will give you when you're suffering and they try to help you cope with this pain and oftentimes they comfort you with bad theology like you know there's new age theology that has crept into the church which basically says hey god exists but suffering really doesn't exist it's kind of a mindset so if someone's sick and you say hey how are you doing sister 
and they're coughing and they have snot, they'll say, oh, I'm doing fine. I'm blessed and highly favored. You're like, you're sick. They're like, don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Like, I am doing okay. Don't you say I'm sick because if I acknowledge it, then I'll actually become sick. So I have to pretend like it doesn't exist. You know what I'm talking about? And so it's like, I want to manifest only good things. So I'm only going to put good things, good vibes, good energy into the universe. And if I just don't acknowledge bad, it will never touch me. That is not Christianity. We acknowledge pain. We believe that pain exists. Another thing I see creeping into the church is like this mindset of just karma. Basically, if you do something bad, bad will come back to you, right? If you do something good, good will come back to you. And that is not the gospel because we believe in grace, and grace means we get stuff we don't deserve, right? And mercy means we don't get what we deserve. And so this is not the gospel either. It's not just eye for an eye when it comes to the things of the Lord. And if you do believe it's just karma, I mean, tell that to a little kid who's been abused. You deserve this, right? No, that's horrible theology. You don't, you don't, tell, you don't blame the victim for their suffering, but that's what karma ultimately does. You must have done something in a former life. You must have done something early on in your life. You must have said something wrong or made a mistake, and we start victim blaming and shaming. That's not the gospel. Because God gives us better than we deserve. Can I get a good amen? amen. And uh, just an atheistic mindset. Basically, hey, God doesn't exist, but suffering does exist. And to me, there's no hope. Why continue living? If all the pain has no, no reason behind it, if this world is just chaotic, if we tell all our young people, you know what, you're just a cosmic accident, you don't have a purpose, you weren't made on purpose, there's no reason for you to be alive, are we surprised when our young people don't really feel like they have a reason to continue living when we've told them you're a divine accident, right? And so this creeps into the church, and it takes a toll on us. And so what, what does the Bible say about suffering? Well, I want to share two things that help me have a framework, and I, I know this may not satisfy you fully in the midst of your pain, but it may give you some language. And the first thing for why pain does exist in this world is because God has given us free will. He's given us free will. So with that freedom comes the ability to love him of our own volition, but it also gives us the ability to hurt our brothers and sisters of our own volition. With the same mouth, I can love someone. I can also curse them out. I can hurt someone. I can cause them pain. Ultimately, in the, the garden, right, when there was no sin, no mistakes in the world, Adam and Eve, they were perfect, but out of their free will, they chose to rebel against God. And because of that, all sorts of pain has been unleashed. And so there are natural laws in this world. If you jump off a cliff, you will fall. Does that mean God has pushed you off that cliff? No. But because of your free will, you will suffer from the law of gravity. Are you tracking with me? And with that free will, it has create, created a broken world. And so we acknowledge that the world right now is not, it's not as it should be. The Lord Jesus has us pray, right, in the Lord's Prayer, Lord let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why do we pray that? Because his will is not being perfectly being done on earth. And so we pray, Lord, this is not okay, 
This world is broken. There's disease and pain. It's sickness because of that. There's murder. There's all sorts of calamities on this world. We see that, that the rain and storms of life fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. This world is broken. And so, Lord, we pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, would you help us enter into a moment where you wipe away every tear, where you ultimately have the victory. You have overcome the world, yes, but we still suffer in this world. And the Lord, he has not lost the battle because the battle is not over yet. And so we long for a day, amen, where every tear will be wiped away. We long for a day when the, the battle will be summed up with Jesus coming back and saying, hey, it's all good. I'm making all things new. Amen. And so that's a framework, but I know in the midst of your pain, that framework isn't completely satisfying. And I want to let you know, point number two, it's this. Not only do we suffer, but Jesus suffers with us. I love this quote by Augustine, who is one of the early church fathers. He was a North African thinker, and he has some amazing quotes and perspectives. And he says this, God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. And this is the description that scripture has about Jesus, someone who understands suffering and suffers with us. Isaiah 53, a messianic prophecy about Jesus. He was despised and rejected. This is how God is described, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. It's okay if you're a person of sorrows. It's okay if you are acquainted with grief because Jesus is too. Mark 14, this is Jesus suffering in prayer. It says he took Peter, James, and John along with him and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. This is Jesus. Jesus prays in verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. And so Jesus, he's praying, Lord, if this is possible, would you, would you take away the cross from me? In 36, he says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. I love this prayer because theologically, Jesus is like, God, I know all things are possible for you. And maybe you've been like that. God, I know you can heal my marriage. God, I know it's possible for you to heal the sickness. You heal all the time in the scripture. And so Jesus is saying, all things are possible. But then he says, Lord, if possible, take this away from me. And there's that tension. It can be confusing in our faith. Have you ever felt that? Lord, I know you can do it all, but would you do it for me? Jesus understands that. Hebrews 2, another description of Jesus. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus was called perfect through suffering. Another way of saying perfect is he, he proved that he was perfect because he wasn't without test. He was tested. And so I love this quote by Brother Lawrence. He says this, you need not cry very loud. He is nearer to us than we think. Because when you're in pain and suffering, God is with you. He suffers with you. He understands what you're going through. And this sermon isn't just uh, theoretical for me. I, I want to share something I've honestly never shared publicly before. 
But I, I am in a world of pain right now. This last year, I know I keep on saying this every year of this church plant, but it's true. But this last year has been the darkest, most painful, and most difficult part of my life ever. It really has. You know, as you know, when we started this church in 2017, suddenly Amritha's father passed away. My stepfather passed away. My sister got dengue fever and went blind momentarily in a hospital. Divorces throughout my family. And then on top of that all, my, my son, when he was two years old, got diagnosed with autism. And when he was two years old, he began to lose language. He began to lose eye contact. He began to lose his ability to play catch. So it's not like, you know, we need to celebrate autism. Like, I celebrate my son in all his uniqueness, but I miss the son that I once knew because we had a certain relationship, and now it all changed when he turned two. And I, I remember processing that, and I actually wrote a rap song. And in this song, I just said, Lord, this feels like my, my son is silent before the slaughter. Lord, please don't let this happen to my daughter. And last summer, we began to see some signs in, in our daughter, Nalavali, that she was experiencing autism too. And we, we didn't know what to do, and I began to feel numb and shock and pain. And uh, this last summer, she was officially diagnosed with autism. And I, I was like, Lord, what is happening? All of my children have special needs. I'll never be able to talk fully to my kids like I always imagined or these dreams that have been in my heart. Lord, I've done everything right. Like, I have been praying. I've been reading my Bible. I'm a pastor. I've sacrificed everything. We've sold everything we've owned to follow you, to, to start a church, to pursue your dreams, your hopes. Our whole life is, Lord, let your will be done. And yet our children are the ones that are going through this. It, why can't they talk like all the other kids? Why are they the ones ignored at the playground? Why are they the ones that don't know how to communicate and just become violent and aggressive because they can't muster up the, the vocabulary to say the things that they want to say? What's going to happen to my daughter? What's going to happen to them? And I, I just remember dealing with this deep, dark pain this last year. And I just remember talking with Pastor Amritha here, and I like, I don't know how to be a father anymore. I don't even know how to be a husband. To be honest, I don't even know if I should be a pastor. I don't feel fit for the ministry. I don't feel fit to even live. I can't pray to God. He answers all these prayers for the church, but not for my kids. What's happening here? What are you doing, Lord? And it's this pain that's been with me for the last year. And I'm not over it. I'm still in the midst of that dark night of the soul. To be honest, I'm still walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And my coping mechanisms, you know, just distract yourself, Pradeepin. My coping mechanisms, Pradeepin, just isolate yourself from your family. Run away. Disappear. Those were the voices that were in my head over and over and over. And I had to make a choice, Lord. I don't like what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing. Lord, I'm so angry with you. But Lord, I, I can use this moment to become bitter or I become better. Lord, and so the, the point I want to share is this. Point number three is we didn't ask for pain, but we can use it to become bitter or better. Because God, he collects our tears in a bottle, according to Psalms 56.8. 
God collects all our prayers in bowls, according to Revelation 5.8. God will mend our broken hearts if we give him all the pieces. And I had to make a choice. I'm going to choose to cope in healthy ways because I am heading down a path of self-destruction. I'm headed down a path of bitterness. I'm headed down a path of abandoning God, of abandoning the church, of abandoning the things that could really help me. I don't understand why. Even the theological framework, it doesn't satisfy my anger. It really doesn't. It doesn't satisfy my sadness. But I'm choosing to trust in God. I love this quote by Tim Keller. Christianity does not provide the reason for each experience of pain, but it does provide deep resources for actually facing suffering with hope and courage rather than bitterness and despair. And so in that, I I was like, Lord, would you help me? Would you be near to me? And I want to let you know, he was near to me. Band, you can come up. I, 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 I have been in counseling six times a month for the last year. My wife and I were going through premarital counseling. We're going through, indiv- not premarital, post- postmarital counseling. <laughs> we're in counseling together. I'm in individual counseling. I've read so many books about the gospel and disability. I've met with pastors, we both have, and we just cried with them and mourned and said, would you wrestle hope into us? Because we don't have hope. All we can see is sadness. We leaned into the church. The reason we worship up here with passion and joy and strength is because truly the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we worship because we need to. Instead of just walking through life saying, Lord, would you look at how big our problems are? In worship, we say problems. Would you look at how big our Lord is? And that is what is coming out of us because we desperately need Jesus. This is hard for me to share today. But I want to let you know, if you are needing hope, Jesus can provide it for you. If you are going through darkness, you are not alone. If you are suffering right now, you don't have to hang your head low. You can lift up your eyes to the heavens and see that your help comes from the Lord. And that you're in the midst of a battle, and the battle is not over yet. God will wipe away our tears. The scripture is full of promises like, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are brokenhearted, for they will be comforted. Amen. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the world. And if you're broken, if you're meek and lowly, If you feel like you're being afflicted, pressed down, I want to let you know you don't have to be crushed because God is with you. He has hope for you, and the battle is not over yet. You know, I want to close with this story about a man named Horatio Spafford. He wrote the song, It Is Well. Not many people know that he was a very wealthy lawyer. He was friends with preachers like D.L. Moody. He was friends with influential people. He was in the right ministry circles, had God's blessing on his life, had much wealth, and he had these daughters, and suddenly they were sent on a trip, and the daughters died, four daughters, and he didn't know what to do, and he went on a trip to go comfort his grieving wife, and he's on this boat, and just thinking about the suffering that he had endured, the family had endured, 
and he writes these lyrics after all four of his daughters drown. As he's on a way to comfort his grieving wife, he writes, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billow rolls, billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. And I just, I'm like, how could he sing that? How could he sing, it is well with my soul, when he lost his children? And I think it's because he knew that the Lord ultimately has the victory. And when it feels like we've lost the battles of life, when it feels like the Lord has lost the battle, we know as Christians that the battle isn't over yet, that God will have the final victory. And we might not have all the answers in this lifetime, but our faith calls us to have faith and trust in God. That we serve a Jesus who understands because he suffered to all the way to the cross. And he wants to suffer with you. And you can grieve with God. Because I know that before we even had children, they were God's children first. And he loves them and cares them. And he will keep their prayers in a bowl. He will collect their tears. And he will comfort us. He will bring heaven to earth. He will make all things new. And so I want to ask us to all stand up to our feet right now. And if you're in a place of suffering, I want to ask you to do something very scary. I'm going to ask you to bring your pain to God. That you would cast your cares on him and you would let him care for you. That you would choose to trust him in the darkness. You would choose to trust him in the mystery. Because he may not give us all the answers we want, but he gives us all the resources we need so that our souls can be restored. Why don't we close our eyes and bow our heads right now? But if you're in this place and you need the Lord to comfort you, you need a blessed assurance and hope from the Lord because you're going through a moment of suffering. I don't want you to just hang your heads low, but if you're in a place of suffering and you would like to receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit, would you just lift up your hand right now as a sign of saying, Lord, would you comfort me? I'm not going to let bitterness consume me. I'm not going to let my cynicism consume me. I'm not going to cope with this in dangerous ways that leave me off worse, but I'm choosing right now, Lord, to connect to you as the source of all life while I'm facing my death. Would you comfort me? And why don't we sing this song with eyes to see what the Lord is doing in our souls? Lord, we look to you for our hope. When peace like a
to put our trust in you. We choose to say it is well because of you. And we trust that you will bring the ultimate victory, Lord. We trust that you will work all things out for your good. Lord, we trust that when we hand you the broken pieces of our heart, you mend it together. And Lord, we place our whole lives, we place our whole suffering you. Come on, Kalos. Let's lift up our voices to the Lord and declare this over our souls, over our lives, even in the midst of suffering. Lord, we come to you. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we know that you comfort us and that you restore our soul. Our sickness, we bring you our pain, we bring you our hopelessness, we bring you our darkness, we bring you our insecurities, we bring you our depression, we bring you our mental health, we bring you our children, we bring you our distress, we bring you our anger, we bring you our bitterness, and we boldly say, It is well with my soul, Lord. We cry out. Jesus, Lord, because of you, because of you, because of you, it is well with my soul. Because you went to the cross, it is well with my soul. Because you took on the infirmities of the world, because you went through grief, because you went to the point of death, it is well with my soul. Lord, we declare this in faith that you hold it all together, the past, the present, the future. You hold it all together. You hold it all together. You hold it all together. we choose to worship you in the good the bad the ugly we will celebrate the beauty of Jesus the one who is acquainted with grief the one who is called a man of sorrows and Lord we know that we can walk with you and that you are with us and that you hold us together
Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.